return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Hey everybody, this is Josh Martin. And I'm Marty Hyde. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Tattoos and Jesus podcast. I am very happy to be here. Here at TNJ, we seek to blend the righteous with the ridiculous. Please explain. We discuss coffee, counseling, Christianity, and whatever else crosses our mind. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to an, another episode, July 4th edition, July 4th week. Josh and I are actually recording on the 4th. A little because we're dedicated. Because we're dedicated and because nobody wanted to schedule counseling appointments. Dedication. And, and we we don't celebrate freedom. Mm, that is facts. Uh, we're also old school in it right now with the, we with are. the Zoom because we had some technical difficulties, but we made it. Feel like I'm Would you back as an intern. 30 minutes trying to get this daggum audio to work and had to resort to Zoom. It's okay though. Hey man, happy July fourth. Happy July fourth, man. Are you doing anything with uh, Sarah for the fourth? We're going to the Greenville Drive game. Oh, that's right. You've told me that like six times. Yeah. Do you like fireworks? Like, are you a fireworks kind of guy? I've never bought fireworks in my life, but I I don't mind watching. Like, if you went to a fireworks display, like, like, what's the one in Spartanburg called? Here comes the white boom. Red, white, and boom. That's it. No, it's they're cool. I feel like you are like a fanatic or something. Or do you like fireworks? Uh, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not a fanatic. Um, I think the best fireworks, my favorite fireworks display ever, I think, was in the hometown where I used to live, Louisville, North Carolina. <clears throat> like, if you went to the town square, it's just a small little town. They did one, and like from the square, it was very visible. And I remember I went there several times, but like you just lay on the grass, stare straight at the sky, and it's just like, and it's like well done. Like they spend some money. Uh, one time I went to Raleigh, uh, in, while I was in college, you know, like harebrained, impulsive ideas, and it really wasn't that great. Um, Red, white, and boom in Spartanburg's pretty good. The the problem is it's so freaking trafficy. Yeah, that's what we're worried about tonight in Greenville. Yeah. But like watching the if, if people are willing to spend the money and it's like a really good display within a great finale, I think it's pretty solid. Yeah. The one at Disney World is really good. Their 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 one at Epcot was, was top notch. Oh, I'm they sure do a fireworks show every night. They spend every, like millions of dollars just on fireworks every year. See, I feel like that's something that Dollywood would do. They do one at the uh at the big the big uh castle in uh oh at, at Mickey's you know castle, at the beginning of a disney movie yeah, about yeah. the castle and then the fireworks shoot out as the yeah, movies. Yeah. they and do they that do every that. night every yeah. night mm-hmm. unless it's raining listen i love to chit chat with you but i got a question mm. if push came to shove well actually I, I got pause that i have two questions i want you to choose I had two questions come up recently that I was like, ah, that's, that's an interesting idea. Um, I'll save one for next week. I'll save one. All right. Here's, here's my question. If you had to have something amputated, would you rather have your arm amputated or your leg amputated? Arm. Really? Yeah. That's what the other person told me. Because then it's like, because you can, I mean, 
Yeah, arm. An arm. Mm -hmm. See, I'm leg. I'm I'm gonna get my. What do you do with both of your arms that you feel like absolutely is necessary? Wave. <laughs> you wave with two hands. Yeah. Because, like, with your legs, you kind of need them bad boys. Whereas, yeah, like, an arm. Here's the thing. Your leg does not do fine motor skills. It is always, like, just major motor movements. And so, like, there are people without legs that still, like, run track, do the hurdles, do cross-country jogging or what. Like, they can do pretty excessive, intensive activity with one leg. You don't see anyone that's like, he got his arm cut off, but he still made the NBA. Like, it, there's Are so much fine motor. There's so <laughs> okay, first of all, you think he's going to cut his leg off and also have a chance at the NBA? Like, your logic doesn't make sense right now. Uh, I guess would, I guess you're right. Um, they both would qualify for some type of a... Uh, uh, a disabled sports program, right? Uh, but still, no. My but my my logic, although faulty, is still true, and that is <laughs> like I can I can you can get a prosthetic leg, especially if it's knee down. I feel like knee down's a lot better if it's knee down, and you can still have a prosthetic leg. I mean, don't get me wrong; neither of these are enjoyable. Like, I'm not going home and getting a hatchet. But like, if I could, I could get a prosthetic leg, knee down, and be my quality of life would much more return to normal than if my arm was amputated and I had and Look, I had a, what a claw, a, a, like what a become hook. Sid, here's the thing. Every time you ask me one of these questions, or I ask you this question. You avoid the question and like replace whatever it is that we're trying to like talk about. So it's like, all right, which one would you have amputated? In your mind, you went, I'm amputating this so that I can replace it with this. Like it's just, you, you're just without one. You can't just replace it to make yourself feel better about your answer. So like I you got go to, without? yeah, you got to, that's the whole point. It's not like, which one would you rather have replaced? You said, which one do you want amputated? But you could replace the arm with a prosthetic. No, I'm not doing, I'm not doing, what body part do I want prosthetics, which you should have asked me then. <laughs> not which one do I want amputated so you can like opie-dope this whole answer here. <laughs> oh, well, I could just get a stainless steel leg if I amputate my leg off. Like That's not a part of the question. You did this on another one too, but I'm trying to remember what it was. That's because I have to think of what would the end result be? The end result would be I could return to a more normal way of life. You just got to live life without it. My analogies, like in counseling, I could counsel without a leg much easier than I can counsel without an arm. How? All my analogies. How? Because all my analogies would be like, it was this long. It was this long. <laughs> I'm going to do a long pause so that you know where to edit right now. <laughs> oh, it was. So, so 
your logic is just unreal sometimes. Okay. I'm trying okay. to remember where I was posed this question. I was posed this question recently. So maybe it was, uh, I forget. Like somebody came up and they said, Marty, which would you rather have amputated if you had to have something amputated? What was your second question? You want my second question? Yes. My second question was more of a thought. Okay. Well, what is it? Have you, I posed this to the youth Sunday school class Sunday morning at church. And they, uh, my, my pastor's wife, Rachel, shout out Rachel. She listens sometimes. Said, Marty, where in your brain did this thought appear? <laughs> Here was my thought. Have you ever, maybe I've asked you this before. But did you, have you ever like thought about the fact that like you could eat part of an animal without killing it and the animal would still be alive? Like I could literally enjoy a hamburger from a cow that was still mooing next to me. <laughs> we never talked about this. What is your statement? Like, what do you mean? Like, it's still like you're eating. <laughs> The cow, but it's right. still alive. Like typically, what do you mean? It's typically, still alive? If, you, if you raise an animal for food, you butcher it, right? You, okay. you kill. The, let's keep using a cow. You kill the cow and you butcher the entire cow. But think about this: you could cut a butt cheek out, sew that bad boy back together, and you have a steak. Like I could cook a steak. That's the butt cheek of this cow. The cow's still alive. I've sewed him back. I've just given him surgery. And so he's missing a little muscle. Like, he might got a little, like, limp to him. But, like, he's, he's fine. He will heal. And I have a steak. And so I could cook that steak and eat it while the cow is still perfectly healthy standing there. Does that bother you? Like, what do you, like, what's... I'm just I just think that's funny. It's weird. Like, and does it grow back? Like, would it like? No. Because, you know, on like geckos, like their tails. Like, what if like fried gecko tail was really delicious? Um, You know, kind of like fried calamari, like fried gecko tail. You could cut off the tails of geckos and they grow back and you could reharvest them. I feel like I'm talking to Kanye West right now. Like a genius like is uh, according to your words, not mine borderline like oh that really like makes sense and borderline like what are you talking about like, like what is a what is a pig buck called ham. what it's fourth of july full pork ham right i could cut the butt off of a pig have a roasted ham and that pig could still be walking around and that wouldn't be are you saying would that be weird like i'm just saying if you ever show up to my house and i have a farm and I have a host of animals. That all have of their random... butt cheeks are cut off because that's <laughs> all you've cut off so far. So you it's just like, got all these is, animals. Why with do like, all these animals have these large animals in weird places? <laughs> animal control is definitely being called. Call Peter. Possibly the, Call the Peter. police. I Okay, just, hey, listen, to clarify, I'm not going to do this. I have no intention of doing this. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't seem that way. However, it could be done. Okay, let me give you this. Okay. Oh, mm. no. Last year, we talked about cannibalism. Mm -hmm. All right? Say this. You're stranded on a desert island with a milk cow. Which butt cheek do I cut off? You know, help's coming. Well, the milk cow produces milk, which is essential 
but you're also starving. You could cut a butt cheek out and you could have meat for a couple days and it would still produce milk. What you cutting it with? I have a knife. <laughs> oh, do you? What do you what do you quote unquote sewing it up with exactly so it doesn't just pass out? Well, so what happened was there was a, a cow on a plane mm. and we wrecked. And so I have paracord. Wrecked. We I have some leftover paracord from a, a parachute. And I'm able and so with that, there was actually some morphine. So I was able to numb the cow. Yeah, exactly. This is exactly give it a pain reliever. hundred percent how you're sewing up with paracord. Go. This is 100% how your answers go. What In your mind, you, you have morphine, paracord, a whole knife to cut this. But your question was, if you have a milk cow standing beside you in a <laughs> stranded desert, could you just cut it and eat it? But in your mind, you have all these supplies that you, it's only to your disposal. But I have to answer like, yeah, I just pull it off with my hand. like. And then they show up to rescue me and they're like, Marty, why didn't you get on the boat? I'm like, man, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, yeah, yeah. I won't bring that up. But yeah, it's like your your logic towards the. So what you're saying is this is never, you've never thought about this. I've thought about like being on a stranded island. But not with a cow. Do you like practice survival scenarios? With cows? No, not with cows. Like um, in your mind, when you walk into places, do you practice oh, like yeah. survival yeah. scenario? Or if like worst case scenario. Like you like, play out situations happening. Like mass right. shooter or. Right, whatever. right, right. Like sitting yeah. in the movies. You're oh, like, yeah. okay, what would I do? You're sitting at a restaurant. Josh, we've already talked work. about me clearing the building here. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm 100% aware of that. that. I don't know if that was a – that's not a planned out scenario more than Marty was uh, playing a game with himself <laughs> with nobody else <laughs> in the building. Um, but – It was a first-person role play. What uh, – do you – do you think those – Yeah, but I don't know why. Like Where, do where does be... it happen the most? Where? Yeah. Like, where is it that when you're at these places, you're immediately like, this is how I'm a guy for my way out of here. Movie theaters. See, but you don't go to the movies that much. Uh, I mean, I go like once a month, once every other month, probably. Oh, man. Depends old on school. Back but when school. I love going to the movies. But movies, restaurants, I don't that much. Crowded events, you're so, I mean, not really. I do it, I do it at church. Really? At the church? most. Church is the most. Yeah. Why? Why do you feel that? Why do you think that I is? I think it's the quickest way for people that know me to see me as a hero. That's why you do it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I always end up being the hero. I always end up being Rambo. Like, have I, I have never. I have never role played a tragic event happening and I ended up on the bad side of it. Mm. Like I've never sat there and be like, yeah, this guy comes in and pulls a gun or this car crashes or this, I don't know, you name it, this flood happens and Marty dies. Mm. I've never role played that. No, it's blood happens. How do you become a narcissist? It's full narcissism. Full narcissism. Built an arc. Um, Okay. Why is what that? happens in yours? I don't know. I usually just what does fantasy Josh the hero do? 
drop kick him. Stone Cold Stunner that mug in the middle of the aisle. I don't really know. Like, I think more likely main, to be on a desert island with a cow. Than my Nicole. main thing is, yeah, my main thing is protecting people I'm with or Sarah mm-hmm. and seeing what that looks like. But then outside of that, I don't really extend it anymore. Maybe nobody else can die. But I think movie theater, yeah. But I think movie theaters stick out because of that one time the Joker guy went and like shot up the theater or whatever. Yeah. And that sticks out. And so now when I walk in the theaters, I got a plan of action in my mind in case mm-hmm. it happens. But I don't know. I don't want to reveal your hand, but like what's your strategy here? Uh depends on where I'm sitting in the theater. Oh, okay. What's your favorite seat? Middle back? So you're I right usually go to NCG. <clears throat> yeah, NCG they're smaller. NCG has three seats different. to the left or to the right, depending on the theater. Mm-hmm. And I like to sit in those. So here's the kicker with NCG. The entrance is behind everybody. Yeah. Versus like traditional movie theaters where they come in at the bottom and everyone sees who enters at all times. Yeah. I don't know. I don't love that. It's fair. Uh, I'm always like, so anyway, so in your favorite seat at NCG, people are entering from behind. Mm-hmm. How many rows down are you? Are you the first row? Like right by in front I'm probably of middle. middle, middle. Okay. I don't like the first row. Yeah. What's your strategy from your favorite seat? Depends on what aisle he's down. If he's walking down my aisle, like it, this is what I'm scared of about myself is that I'm the type that's like, gonna be impulsive where it's like <laughs> like it's just like he's walking by he's got a gun he's screaming and i don't even think about it i just tackle him and he probably ends up shooting me like i just i'm not thinking it through mm-hmm. and we started watching this show last night called hijack on apple tv really yeah. good show and he like thinks and plans out <clears throat> how to like that there's these hijackers that kind of came on the plane and he's thinking through every move to where he's trying to be one step ahead to take over the hijackers. Whereas like there's these two guys that look like complete idiots in the, in the show that are in the back with like this cord and like a sock full of golf balls. And then when one of them comes by, he just smacks him in the face with the golf balls. And the other guy like tries to strangle him and they end up getting tied up and like, that's you. That's me. That's you got a sock full of golf balls. I'm not thinking. I'm impulsively hopping to the to the situation. So I'm gonna say I'm the opposite. If like I want to be the guy that like quickly analyzes the situation, determines a course of action, and implements it, right? No, I'm the overthinker. That I'm like, don't do anything until it's like I try to like MacGyver my way through this. And what that turns into is freeze. I do nothing. Like, I know this for a fact. Like, when stuff happens, I freeze, which is really embarrassing because my son almost got hit. I think, did I tell the story about Charlie almost getting hit in the head with a, a foul softball last year? No. So, we're at a uh, softball game, and we're down the third baseline. So, we're right outside of third baseline. It's a four-foot fence. Um, and so, you know, if you pull the ball foul – it zips over that fence right there into that space. And so I'm aware of that. Like I'm in foul and it's not just foul ball, but it's like foul, like line drive. Like the ball's moving quick if it comes to where I'm at. So I thought about that. 
And so I'm like, you know, I need to be watching out because the ball comes this way. I need to protect Charlie because this is what Charlie's done is he's gotten tired. So he's laying face down on the grass asleep. So he's at my feet, sound asleep. So in run respect, like his body's just laying there, but it's like, it wouldn't be that hard. If the ball comes over, I just like bend over and I'm like, I'm covering him. Sure enough, I've thought this all the way through, right? More probable than superhero self at church. And what happens is sure enough, they rip the ball. It's coming straight at him. And you know what I do? I flinch and turn away. I, fr- I just instinctively turn away from the ball. You know what that ball did? It bounced in the grass about four inches from his temple. Like, no joke. People standing around went, oh, my goodness, did you see that? And here I am, big old protective daddy, fetal position behind him. Of a softball. Yeah. When realistically, all I would have had to do is step over it and it would like brushed on my thigh or hit me in the leg or like it wouldn't. But like even knowing this is going to happen, maybe this is your course of action. I don't I my react. I can't do it. Like I keep wanting redos like, come on, hit another one like I can protect him. It's fair. But what would probably end up happening is I'd be so committed to trying to like make up for my errors that I would end up just falling on him, smashing him. The ball actually never went over the fence. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like dramatically and you giving just over, my son a concussion. Over, I've, I thought about that too. Just like overthinking the hero role. Yeah. And somebody's walking down the aisle with a gun in the movie theaters. And really it's not a gun. It's a Coke. And I tackled this guy who has a Coke in his hand. And now I'm getting charged with assault because I overanalyzed the situation. Yeah, that would be me too. Yeah. What do you think causes that? Like, is it like so much exposure to it now, media-wise? Um, like, do you think people back in the day who yeah. only had newspapers had these types of thoughts? Or do you think that they didn't have these types of thoughts? I'll say this. Like back Superhero the- movies didn't come from nowhere. So the the desire to be a hero, I think, goes beyond the media. I think the media may influence it. And by media, I mean, like, not like mass media, but like Hollywood. Now, because there's movies out there and there's cartoons and there's TV shows like that amps it up. But like somebody came up with that idea. Like, so I think that the, the desire to be the hero is a little bit in all of us. And Hollywood just captured that idea and gave it a, you know, gave it a name, Spider-Man, Batman, the flash, whatever. And so, um, so I think, yeah, I think now the, the, the reason we daydream, I would say is probably due to events like, yeah, like nobody was probably sitting in church in 1745. Well, maybe 1745, but in the 1800s and whatever, they probably weren't thinking about that, but maybe they were thinking about it while they rode their carriage across the West because there was a lot of looters and stuff that would come and, you know, it's called riding shotgun for a reason because the guy that sat next to the driver on a wagon had the shotgun to protect them from, you know, Jesse James and his crew. Oh, look at that. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Look at that July 4th fun fact right there. There you go. Yeah, it's called riding shotgun. 
because <clears throat> you carry the shotgun. And so my guess is when they like, you know, set up camp and they were going to ride across Montana, that's when that daydream played out. Like, all right, when they attack, like, this is what I'm going to do. And so whereas in the last, you know, 20 years, we've seen school shootings, church shootings, um, uh, theater shootings, like concert shootings. So where there's concentrated groups of people. So like, I think that's why my mind goes there. Hmm. I was trying to think like, so yeah, that's true. So like for people who, I don't know if I'm bring that up. Anyway, so for people who are living in like a a third world third world country, mm-hmm. constantly worried about somebody coming in taking their kid. Yeah, constantly worried about somebody take coming in taking their taking their spouse. Because we watched a documentary recently that where they that's a con to get people into their army they just kidnap. It's effective. Yeah. In situations like that, do you feel like what's the damage mentally that does to have your brain always alert like that? Like I'm I'm sure it's at a higher level than what we're talking about, obviously. So it would be like I'm trying to put it in the in this like what would it feel like for me? Obviously I'm not gonna be able to, mm-hmm. but like so it'd be like constantly feeling this like need to scan, to be aware, to be high alert. Yeah, hyper vigilant. Like what does that do? See, that's the weird thing is I think we as a humans are incredibly adaptive to our environment. And so if, if you, if that was your life, you grew up in that life, that was your normal. I think your body, your, you would develop resiliency so that, cause your body's made to survive, right? It's made to survive. And so your body would develop resiliency that allowed you to function despite that, right? Which is part of the hypervigilance. It's part of the paranoia. It's part of all of that. Because that is survival skills, right? Because you need to keep your head on a swivel. But the impact of it, I, per, I I haven't studied this, so I could be speaking out of pocket. I don't think it's as severe as if you and I went and lived there now because we have not developed those skill sets. Gotcha. So, and so their, I think their what would ha- level like, is... So it's probably, you're right, they're incredibly more adapt to dangerous situations. But there's, it's so integrated into how they function, it doesn't have as much of a uh, psychological impact as if somebody who grew up not in that situation went and lived in it. Like, I don't think, like, if you spent the first 20 years of your life living in a safe, happy home in the United States and then went to a third world country where you experience that on a daily basis, even though over time you would develop resiliency to it, I don't think you would ever get to the point that the um, that the people born and raised in that environment are at. Because yours is a learned behavior. Theirs is a, like, lived 
like reality. That's pretty good. So, what is resiliency exactly? Is it like a like an emotion? Is it a feeling? Is it a skill? Like, what exactly is resiliency? Now that we're on that, that's a good question. Good question, Joshua. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the resiliency. Is the ability to eat a cow butt without eating the cow? Mm. No resiliency. Uh, the capacity to withstand. Hold or, on, can I give you my definition? Let me see how accurate it is. I was trying to start off like every speech start off. Oxford defines resiliency as. Go ahead. You sound drunk saying it. That's what uh, Steve Carell says in the office. He he always starts all of his speeches off with like the diction. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. Because my my definition of resiliency would be the ability. Resiliency is the ability to move forward despite resistance. Okay. That's about what this says. Is it? Resiliency is the process and outcome. This is not a Oxford dictionary, but this is the APA associate. Okay, what's your time? Resiliency is the process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences, mm -hmm. especially through mental, emotional, and behavioral mm -hmm. flexibility and adjust an adjustment to external and internal demands. All right. So you know how like nowadays you hear a lot of people talking about how the current generation coming up, modern people in the United States, we're all just pansies. We have no mm -hmm. anything. I think a lack of resiliency is the natural outcome to success mm -hmm. because it doesn't demand push forwardness. It doesn't demand us to overcome anything, which is fine. That's just the wave. Like there's a, there's a little saying out there. It says, uh, and you probably have heard this, but like, Tough times create tough people. Tough people create good times. Good times create, or easy times. Easy times create something. Like, there's a cycle there. Does that make sense? I'm not saying it right. But I feel like resiliency of this culture, this family, the resiliency in your life is an indication of the challenges and trials that you faced. Um. And so what mm. – and here's the thing. It can be developed. Resiliency is pretty – is the same. It is the emotional equivalent to muscular strength. Yeah. So it says the U.S. Department of the State defines resiliency for some reason as a skill – the more you practice, the better the better mm -hmm. you'll be. But how do you practice resiliency? Or do you just wait? You like, have to do hard things. But is that is hard things? But you don't go looking for hard things. Oh, you can. You do. So, you know, in recovery, like for drug and alcohol recovery, I've got a guy right now who's about two weeks clean off methamphetamine. He's really connected to a, a, a recovery group here locally. And he has a, a coach. And every day that coach calls him and he says, have you done something hard today? And what he's teaching him is in recovery, we have to do hard things. So seek it out and embrace it. Make pushing yourself, make the hard, like choosing something hard and hard might be, I chose to eat something healthy when I didn't want to. 
Mm-hmm. It could mean I went and exercised when I didn't want to. I sat down and played with my kids when I didn't want to. I got up on time when I didn't want to. I went to bed on time when I didn't want to. I didn't use when I wanted to. Like, what is something that goes against how you feel in that moment? Because that is res- that builds resiliency on a low level. We talk about this in counseling. I know I've talked about it with you and Kayla before that you're like when you come into private practice, meeting with 30 people in a week, doing 30 hours of therapy a week is almost impossible. It is, and if you did do it, it's like survival. But over the course of a year, you develop emotional resiliency. And, and emotional resiliency is partially your skills get better, your ability to manage those sessions get better, your comfort in those sessions gets better, it becomes more familiar. And so what you're dealing with is a lot better, but then also just the act of putting yourself in emotionally demanding situations hour after hour after hour builds emotional resiliency so that a year later, you're able to sit and do 25, 30, 32 hours of therapy and it not absolutely kill you emotionally. So there's kind of a fine line between building resiliency and completely just like crashing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can only do so much because then you get like, you become emotionally Mm -hmm. resilient, but too much you become compassion have the reverse effect it's the reverse effect you have no compassion it's the exact same principles as building muscle if you go in the gym and you pick up a 10 pound weight or i I mean i don't want to speak for everybody for me if i picked up a 10 pound weight am i exercising yes am i making myself better probably not now if i pick up a 90 pound weight and i try to curl it am i exercising yes am i maximizing myself yes but am i also increasing the likelihood and the probability that I'll get injured. Yes. Cause I'm overdoing it. Mm-hmm. But if I pick up the weight that stretches me, but doesn't strain me, I've grown. It's all about both. And, you know, it's, it's all about a little balance. Both and. A little both and life and. is about balance. Okay. So That's you want to feed yourself resilience. So life is not about yes. this actually fits in. I was reading up on like a few like philosophers. I'm in a philosophy phase right now. And one of the philosophers was all about avoid pain mm-hmm. to maximize happiness. Mm-hmm. And I don't, agree, I don't agree with that. Like, it, and I think this goes into it because resiliency really is the key to having a a healthy life and a manageable yeah. life because you can't you can't avoid because these, these philosophers all went to be monks. But here's the thing: you have four basic quadrants that make up who you are. There's your physical, your emotional, your psychological, and your spiritual. If you are st- stretching yourself in all four areas every every week, every day, you're building bandwidth. It's what you're doing. You're building bandwidth. Your capacity to absorb life, daily life, without being maxed out skyrockets. When you avoid stress you atrophy the absence of resistance creates atrophy when you atrophy your capacity to handle what used to feel normal declines so what was once easy is now hard you've actually increased difficulty by avoiding it 
so if you're looking at it from a spiritual sense, God God approaches mm-hmm. us in the same way. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's times of growth that usually yeah. come and follow times of suffering, which also has times of good, times of peace. It's yeah. like the seasons. Like it's like the seasons. Everything kind of right. follows this model of of thought here. Okay. So what are two give us on the fourth mm-hmm. of July? Give us four ways to build resiliency. One for each area? Yes. All right. Spiritually, go spend time in an environment of caring for other people that makes you uncomfortable. Right? Develop a relationship. Go out and do something that is is putting yourself, whether that may be having a conversation with somebody that believes different than you, that may be putting yourself in a situation to love on somebody whose life doesn't feel very lovable and it's going to take a lot out of you, right? Physically, easiest way to do that's exercise, right? Go out and push yourself, right? If you normally walk a mile, walk two miles. If you don't walk at all, go out and walk for 15 minutes at your own casual pace. Like push yourself physically, right? Um, emotionally, if, um, an easy way that a way that you can create resilience emotionally is to um, put yourself in a situation that requires a lot out of you, right? Do you have that friend that tends to be taxing, right? Go spend time with them, take them out and consciously say, you know what? I'm going to, uh, to be here for you or emotional and spiritual can tie in. Also should be, you know what? I'm not doing well with prayer. So I'm going to sit here for 15 minutes and do some prayer, um, because it's not comfortable to me. And then psychologically, maybe it means invest in yourself. Maybe get a book and read it, right? That doesn't seem very hard, but most people don't read anymore. And so just the act of reading, you're taking some time, right? Or maybe turn off all your technology, all stimuli, and sit there in the silence for a little while, right? So because stretching yourself could be adding something that makes it harder because it grows you or removing something that you're comfortable with and the absence of it makes you uncomfortable. And so growth could be in either direction. Um, so there's your four. We got to wrap up. Fourth of July 4th. Yeah. All right, guys. Happy week of the fourth. Hope you all are having a good time. Go out and stretch yourself. Have some fun. Build resiliency. Toodles. Holla. Thanks for joining us on another episode of TNJ. Don't forget to check out the links to any of our guests in the show description. And check out tattoosandjesus.org for additional show information or to submit your questions, comments, or curse words.